day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a beautiful Thursday as I look out the window here. I mean, how lucky are we to live out here and have this weather this time of year? Absolutely incredible as we begin on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by PTs, and they are still going forward with Cinco de Mayo. This is what I love about PTs. Cinco de Mayo started on May 1st. It goes to May 7th, and PTs Taverns is celebrating Cinco de Mayo for an entire week. $4 Patron Silver Shots, $5 Patron Silver Margaritas, and that is till the 7th, and that is really good. I did my show last night, and my wife made me a margarita after the show with Ihole, our new award-winning tequila on the show, and it tasted fantastic. So if you're a partner of mine, you'll hear your company's name in my show all the time because I'm fueled by PTs. My longest partnership here on the radio, and we appreciate them fueling the monologue. Mike Mayock, the GM of the Raiders, joins us at the bottom of the hour. We'll do a deep dive on the Raiders draft and the Raiders offseason. Everything that went on in the offseason, how the defense improved, what they did with their draft picks, and what happens with the new scheme with Gus Bradley. I tweeted this out earlier that he's coming on. I'm going to select two or three questions from our audience if you go to my Twitter, at JT the Brick, you'll see the tweet with Mike Mayock's picture, and just leave a question. Already, we got a bunch of good ones, really good ones, and I'll directly uh, present them to Mike Mayock for his answer, and we'll see. Remember, he's not talking about Aaron Rodgers, because he can't. Aaron Rodgers is under contract. I know you fans, some of you know that, but the loud ones and some of the trolls who don't think I asked the question that they want don't understand that. So I can't do a deep dive on Aaron Rodgers with Mike Mayock because Mike is not going to get fined on the JT The Brick Show for talking about a player under contract. Got it? I knew you would. So let's get going with the Raiders as we open this up because I also want to get to the Golden Knights and a couple other big topics here as we get rolling. I believe, and I believe this every year, every year the team should improve in the offseason. It should. Every season you have a team. The Raiders over the last couple of years, dating back to Del Rio's 12-4, and four, they've roughly been an 8-8 eight eight team. They've been a middle-of-the-road team as Gruden is tearing down the roster and bringing in his players. Then you throw in COVID and the in- inability for players to practice. That took a 10-win season and threw it back to 8. And now we're looking at the Raiders with their record. They're an 8-8 eight eight team, but I think they're better than their record. And I think most rational Raider fans understand how good the Raiders are on paper. As I have the depth chart in front of me, they are pretty good now. With the addition of Casey Hayward at cornerback and some of the other picks that they made, Yannick Ngakwe, and what they did in the draft, and all the defensive players that they added in the offseason, and they have a loaded offense, absolutely loaded. Losing Aguilar, who was a good player, they replaced him with two other receivers. So every roster spot is pretty much filled. And what we have to come to grips on, all of us who are fans or who aren't paid to play for the team or coach for the team, we have to find a way to like this team and feel like this team can get the job done. And I don't sense that you're there. I don't sense that you're there as Raider fans. I think that there are 
a number of Raider fans that are very, very skeptical about draft picks, veterans, current players, the quarterback. And if you mix that up, there is going to be a lot of confusion. Because, again, the loudest fans in the Raider Nation is the smallest group. The smallest group are the loudest ones who are the loudest on Twitter, and they're aggro, and they're angry, and they're always complaining about something. But you see, I know these fans, and I walk up to them, and I talk to them, and I look them in their eye, and they haven't been to the playoffs much, and they have the right to vent. They have the right to vent. They're paying for tickets. They're paying for hotel rooms. They're paying for airline tickets. They have the right to vent about the team not making the playoffs. So Mike Mayock and John Gruden went out and got a new team, and they brought in a lot of new players, a lot of new players that I don't believe the rest of the league is giving them credit for. I think the rest of the league and the national media looks at the Raiders and say, oh, did they reach on Leatherwood? Okay, they have this player. Uh, Can they get Aaron Rodgers? Why didn't they do this? This player they reached on, Cleland Farrell and Damon Arnett. And no one's spending the time diving into the roster and saying, wow, there's 13 new defensive linemen. Well, they're all not going to make the team, but the top six or seven are that have come in, the new guys, and they're going to play alongside Max Crosby, Clee Farrell, Yannick Ngakwe, Jonathan Hankins, and there's going to be a war. It's going to be like a scene from Game of Thrones All these defensive guys in the defensive line meeting going, did you get cut? No, did you get the call? Did you get cut? What do you mean did I get cut? I just signed a roster bonus. I'm here. No, 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 you're not. I'm going to ask Mike Mayock that. You can't bring every player that I have on this depth chart into the first game of the year. So I'm looking at that as glasses half full, which means I think that a couple of these players, Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, whoever it is, one or two is going to pop and come in here and look at this opportunity and play at a higher level. Casey Hayward's going to play at a consistent high level. Trayvon Mullen is doing something today. I'm not aware of it. He's either in Vegas or he's somewhere working out, running on a track, lifting weights. I spoke to Rod Woodson. I traveled up and back from Vegas with him on the plane. We talked a lot of football over the last couple of days. And Rod Woodson, Rod Woodson, one of the top 50 players of all time, no debate, he still gets up every day and goes to the track. He goes to the track. He's been a Hall of Famer for a decade. He goes to the track every day, and he talks to players about training in the offseason. And he got better. Rod Woodson got hurt in his third year, and he told me if he didn't have the right surgery from the right doctor that Dan Marino used, his career would have been over. And then he went on to Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Hall of Fame, and had an unbelievable career because he outworked everybody. When he was a veteran, middle of his career, he just got up earlier. He outworked everybody. Well, this is what this team needs to do. I think generally the Raiders have tremendous work ethic. Derek Carr's in the park every day, posted a video of him, unbelievable videos of him out there with the logo DC4. A lot of offensive guys are out there. John Gruden, to play for John Gruden, he works your ass off. He's in your face. He's expecting you to do your work, your, your Zoom call your practice, your weight session. It's not easy to play for John Gruden. So I'm assuming this team's got a bunch of leaders who are keeping everybody in shape, and then they're going to evaluate the roster in training camp and three preseason games, and the Raiders are going to hit the field. And I'm sensing that the schedule really jumps out at me. We'll be on for the schedule release before I'm off a few days after that to go back home. And when I look at the schedule, last year's schedule was brutal. It was brutal. 
There were some easy games on the back end, but remember, Drew Brees, Josh Allen, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady. I mean, let's go on. I mean, that schedule was brutal last year. Now, this year's schedule, all right, it seems to be a tad bit easier, but they don't have the flashy games they had last year, but there's still some really tough games. I don't know how it's going to play out with the Giants and the Eagles and Washington, but I would hope that they would be better than two out of three of them or all three. Can they beat the Cowboys if they play them on Thanksgiving? I don't know, but they got to win some of these games. And that leads me to Aaron Rodgers. I will talk about Aaron Rodgers every day because it's the biggest topic in the Raider Nation. I don't care what you think. This is not disrespect to Derek Carr. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers every day on Raider Nation Radio as a potential move to self-destruct like a James Bond movie what the Raiders want to do this year. That's the topic that's more important than the development of Damon Arnett is what in God's name happens if Aaron Rodgers is traded and he signs a three-year deal in Denver and Mahomes and Rodgers are coming in to Allegiant Stadium uh, twice in a month and the Raiders got to face those guys. Okay, that's a big topic. And as you watch the debate shows today and as you listen to other radio shows, that's all anybody's talking about because it's the low-hanging fruit very low-hanging, very easy for shows to talk about, and it directly affects the Raiders. So I don't think the Raiders are going to get him. I don't think the Raiders desperately need him at all. I'm a car guy. I think the Raiders are fine without Aaron Rodgers, except asterisks if he goes to Denver. So that's a big thing. And I don't get too crazy here. I don't use war analogies. Some people use war analogies. We are in war. We have to block that beach, and we have to come around that edge. The picket's charged. we got to do something. If you like war analogies, well, this is the classic case of a blockade. This is surrounding, surrounding Denver, the whole city, with a silver and black, silver and black flag on every rocky top mountaintop and holding Aaron Rodgers back from going there. You find a bigger topic on any show on this channel of bigger than Aaron Rodgers, you tell me, and I'll pivot very quickly. There's nothing close to it. This is the summer. Summer starts earlier in Vegas. Aaron Rodgers is everything. So if you're not afraid of Aaron Rodgers, you're nuts. You've, you haven't watched football. You don't know football if you're not concerned about Aaron Rodgers. Now, if Aaron Rodgers goes anywhere other than Denver, I'm cool with it. He can go anywhere. I don't care. But if he goes to Denver, we got a problem. And can the Raiders figure out a way to beat him? A split with him would be nice. I'm not going to sit here and say the Raiders are going to split with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. That would be nice. That would be a best-case scenario. And the division would be much tougher. And as I told you, I think the best quarterback I saw with my eyes last year live was Justin Herbert. At least the game I saw him at, he was unbelievable unbelievable he's not good he's going to be great but I'm expecting a step back from Herbert it happens a lot in the NFL rookie year no one's seen the tape then the second year all of a sudden everybody kind of figures him out and he takes a little bit of a step back but there's a love love affair with the Chargers around the NFL media elite and would you like to know why because some of the media elite in the media or in Los Angeles, and they want tickets, and they want to hang out, and they want to be kind of like classic Charger fans. So they're telling you how good the Chargers are. The Chargers have pretty much never been good your entire life. And whenever they were good your entire life, the Raiders usually beat them. 
Jim Plunkett would go in and beat Dan Fouts to go to the Super Bowl when the Chargers were the favorite. So I'm concerned about the Chargers. I'm very concerned about Kansas City, but I also think even though Kansas City did a nice job replenishing their offensive line, I think the best years of Kansas City are behind them. And Mahomes is coming into his prime, so that might sound a little off, but I think that many of the position players on Kansas City, Kelsey's getting older, their receivers, Tyreek Hill's not getting any younger, still a very good player. The offensive line has turned over a lot. The defensive out of the ball is getting a little bit older. I think the Raiders can hang with Kansas City. But you, still, you, you throw Aaron Rodgers into the mix, then we're going to have a big topic to talk about, and it's not going to be good. So I'm trying to figure out how we block that move, if you're with me. Brett Favre was on the radio in Wisconsin talking about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Favre went through the same exact thing as Aaron Rodgers. He's an expert on this topic, and now he's on the record with what Rodgers might do. Knowing Aaron, and and I think I know him fairly well, Mm -hmm. if he has a grudge, whether it be against the organization or a player or an an arch rival or family, friends, he ain't budging. I don't see him coming back and, and, and saying, if this is not resolved, however, whatever the issue is, if it's not resolved, or even if it's resolved, but he feels like they got one up on him, he ain't going to play. Knowing Aaron, he would he would sit. Yeah, it's a big deal. So he, Rogers, you know, Favre was saying that Rogers would sit. How great would that be for all of us? Because there is a slight chance he could be a Raider. Slight chance. We all know that. We're all big boys, gals. We can handle that. Slight chance, most likely. But I think the best scenario for all of us would be if Green Bay said to him, we're not doing anything. Too bad. Get lost. No, no, no. We did this with Favre. You're pulling this crap again, and we're not going to trade you. And your your ego is really big, and you're not going to come play for us. So don't. Just sit, and we'll go with Jordan Love, and we'll just prove a point. That could happen, or there could be a trade where – Green Bay blinks, they blink, and they ask for Patrick Sertan. They ask, ask for two players, maybe Jerry Judy, whoever it is, and plus three first-round picks, and Denver goes, hell yeah. What do you mean? We're all, we, we want Rodgers. We had Peyton Manning. We had John Elway. He's the same guy. Let's do it. So that's a topic you're going to hear a lot here until this gets rectified and we know what the closure is going to be. Here's Mike Garofolo from NFL Network on what he's hearing from Rodgers and free agents. What I'm told from multiple sources is that Aaron Rodgers was telling the Packers prospective free agents, basically, before you make any decision, I'm probably not going to be here, right? And to the point where he was telling them, I'm told, all the way back to the beginning of last season. Now, that was in the wake, the months after the team had drafted Jordan Love. Did they believe that was the case or, or take that into consideration as they made their individual decisions all along the way. Well, David Bakhtiari, who's about as close to Aaron Rodgers as it gets, signed an extension with the team in November. So I think, like a lot of us, the players were hearing that saying, yeah, he's upset, he doesn't love it here, but he'll be here come next season. Well, we don't know right now. Uh, And those players who decided on their future decided to make the decisions on their own futures for their own uh, personal well-being rather than whether they thought that Aaron Rodgers was still going to be here. And by the way, those destination spots that he would like to get to, I'm told the players knew all, if not most, excuse me, if not all of those when they were hearing this stuff from Aaron Rodgers back in the fall. 
All right. So that's some of the conversation that's happening nationally everywhere. So why wouldn't we be talking about it on the flagship of the Raiders? Right. Even though someone, you know, a lot of people want to be program director. A lot of people want to tell me what to talk about every day. I'm going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to be talking about the Golden Knights. I'm going to be talking about LeBron James in the playoffs because I do a talk show and a national show, and I talk about the biggest stories out there. How would I not talk about Aaron Rodgers where a sliver of that conversation affects the Raiders roster or the Raiders competing against them? So that conversation is not going to change until there's a done deal. Rodgers says, I'm going back to Green Bay, or he goes to Denver. Or there's a chance he comes to the Raiders or goes to Washington. It's amazing how many of these job opportunities even closed up for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the deal was him to go to the 49ers. But how do you think Green Bay would feel about trading someone within the NFC to a team that knocked out Aaron Rodgers two years ago? There would be a revolt in Green Bay. Green Bay would revolt and picket Lambeau Field. So it's very complicated. And you always hear that the NBA players have the ability. They have more power than NFL players. They do. I talked about this on draft night with Lincoln Kennedy. That NBA players, when they get pissed off, they get traded. In the NFL, it doesn't happen. You get pissed off, you get cut. You lose your money, right? You lose your salary. So we're still not at the point where NFL quarterbacks have the power that we see with the NBA superstars, but it's getting closer. The gap is shortening here, and Rodgers is supposed to be the most powerful out of all of them. So if there's one guy who's going to flex his muscles and try to do it, before he retires, I would assume it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. 702-365-9200. As we begin the show, you want to get in before Mike Mayock or after Mike Mayock. Also, Daniel Jeremiah is going to join us from NFL Network. And Linda Cohn, SportsCenter on ESPN, on hockey, as we get to all of this. So I'm ready to roll. Someday, every phone line will be full. Someday I will get here. Every line will be full. I'll take off my headset. I'll quit. I told Bobby, I'll quit. I'll say I accomplished my goal. Every line's full before the start of the show. Until that happens, you will hear me throwing out the number 702-365-9200. And here comes Chris in West Oakland to start us off. Hello, Chris. Hey, hey, JT. How you doing? Listen, first real quick before the Raiders, the Aaron Rodgers thing, you know, the curious thing to me about this is if he really wanted out of there, why did he wait so long? You don't think the Rams would have, would have rather traded for Rodgers instead of instead – of, uh, sorry. You don't think the Rams would have rather traded for Rodgers instead of uh, Matthew Stafford? And another thing to consider, if he decides to call the Packers bluff and they don't trade him, he's got to repay almost $24 million out of his own pocket. A lot of guys talk really big, but when it comes to digging deep, all of a sudden they're not, you know, they're not quite as ballsy. That being said, I would love. I'm really looking forward to the Mike Mayock interview. One of the questions I would love you to ask him is the Melvin Ingram question, but also JT. The last few years, every year the Raiders and I and doing and I would do it in a respectful way. How do they evaluate? What is the difference they do than other teams? Because year in and year out, they draft players. And it seems like they're considerably higher than what, you know, what the standard, you know, almost every other team or, or draft pundit has them. I'd just like to know what's their evaluation process, first off. Secondly, like you talked about, a lot of the trolls on Twitter and that, you know my credentials as a Raider fan, and I want this team to do nothing but well. My skepticism comes from been there, done that. Every year I've heard how good we're going to be in the offseason, only to find out it doesn't play out on the field. 
I'm waiting to see. I think they're better on paper, but until they show me on the field, it's another story. And finally, one last thing to a lot of the people that bitch and moan. I love Coach Gruden, and I respect Mayock. One of these reaches has panned out yet. I don't believe. You're breaking up, Chris. I appreciate it. I think I know where you're going with that. Again, appreciate the call. That's the East Oakland into West Oakland dead spot up there on Raider Nation Radio. But we appreciate you listening. We wouldn't have a radio show if we didn't have calls from around the country. We wouldn't. We would not have a radio show if this was just on in Vegas. No chance. So we want fans from all over the country to download that Raiders app. If you're listening anywhere, we want everybody to download it and click on that radio that's in the corner of the app so you can listen to the show so we have a radio show on top of what we have here in Vegas. Gangster Raider, you're up next. Raider Nation Radio, go ahead. Hey, what's up, JT? I just want to say, first off, that um, we play Dallas and Dallas this year, mm-hmm. and when the schedule comes out, I want the Raider Nation to buy all the tickets we can to that game, and I want us to flood the um, Arlington State. Texas with a Raider Nation invasion. I want silver and black all over the stadium. So when we win the game, it's going to be a blackout in um in Dallas, in Arlington, should I say, because that stadium mm-hmm. not even in Dallas. It's in Arlington. Yep. First of all, I want to say that um I think the defense is looking good on paper, like you said, but they got to put the work in and they got to get the right um schemes in, which I think Gus Bradley will do and coach up the players, which – um should help the defense, but I I want to know how you feel about this. I know you um support Rob Marinelli, but yep. don't you think that Gus would have had a better chance if he would have been able to bring in his own defensive line coach? And also another thing, um, as far as going eight and eight and still staying stuck in that um thing, mm-hmm. I think it's um because of um Gruden and Carr underachieving because I think Carr in his seventh year, especially being a brother of an NFL quarterback similar to Eli Madden, Eli Manning, excuse me. That's what I thought we were getting when we drafted him. You know, so I'm thinking like, because he's, you know, he's pretty much been in the NFL since he was nine under his brother. I thought that we would get, um, by his third or fourth year, he'd be polished mm. like Eli Manning or Peyton Manning and be, you know, that much more, you know, polished and more of a complete quarterback by now. That's why I say I think he's an underachiever. Also, Gruden, too, because he was the son of a coach or a scout, and he was pretty much groomed to be a coach himself. And if it wasn't for him falling into the Tampa Bay situation, being traded and having Dungy's players and playing. No, he didn't. He didn't take. He did a better. He did a better job. And let me jump in because we got Mayock coming up. He did a better job than Dungy. Okay, let me let me clarify what happened. Tony Dungy coached players in Tampa. Okay, he wasn't the GM of the team. He coached players in Tampa and couldn't bleep and win. He couldn't win in cold weather. He couldn't win in 40 below, uh, 40 degrees or lower weather. John Gruden came in and took that team and closed the vet in Philadelphia and then had the plays and outcoached the Raiders so dramatically. It was one of the most dramatic, lopsided coaching victories in Super Bowl history. So enough of this Tony Dungy crap who got into the Hall of Fame before a guy named Tom Flores. A guy named Tom Flores that had two Super Bowl victories and had to do one of them as the first ever wild card team. So I'm done with this Gruden did it with Tony Dungy guys. He didn't do it with Tony Dungy guys. Tony Dungy couldn't get it done. They brought in a coach in John Gruden who did. And Gruden knew the plays and played Rich Gannon on the scout team leading up to the Super Bowl and won in a blowout. 
That's a great resume for anyone in their life. One Super Bowl winning in a blowout against a West Coast team that was playing in their own state. I was there. I did the pre- and post-game show. It was an absolute mismatch. So if you're going to rip John Gruden, please don't rip John Gruden for Tony Dungy's accomplishment. If you want to rip Gruden now and say, well, where are we in this relaunch and all that, that is fair. I do that every day. And I always say that Gruden's able to handle that, just like our next guest, Mike Mayock, is able to handle any criticism that comes along. This franchise needs to win the Super Bowl. But in order to do that, they've got to get to the playoffs first. And to get to the playoffs, then if they get to the playoffs, maybe Derek Carr can lead them to playoff wins in the Super Bowl. That's how I see it. But I'm not going to sit here every year and, and tell you that the team's going to win four games. We're going to talk about it realistically. And when we're talking X's and O's, it's Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Raise your cocktail game for the Remy Sidecar. It's been around since 1922 because it's a great drink with Remy Martin. I mean, to be honest with you, it's 100% stressful. Just seeing people's names go like one after another, one after another, then the commercials don't help. The commercials just make it agonizing. So uh, it was most definitely just the process, just like a slow, like a slow bleed. But but I'm glad that it, my name finally got called. So that is Malcolm Coons from Buffalo, who went 79th overall in the Raiders draft. Uh, that was in the third round. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Salmon Ash, Salmon Ash Law. Com because you deserve what's right as my friends get ready for another first Friday downtown. If you get into an accident, you need a personal injury attorney. Why not two for one? Why not the best here in Vegas? Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Uh, Mike Mayock's going to join us here in a few moments. We'll talk to him about the draft and the entire offseason. And that's where we're at now. We're in the offseason. Now it's an opportunity to get the players when they can with the protocol in the building, uh, get them under Gus Bradley, uh, get them under the offensive side of the building, and to hope that Coach Olsen and Johnny Morton and Coach Gruden get more out of this offense, especially with the offensive line, as they build up the offensive line again, and the team is in a position to do something quickly and win games. Remember, the Raiders last year were a 2-0 out of the gate and how to start quick again this year. The GM of the Silver and Black, Mike Mayock, kind enough to join us. Mike, and I know there's no decompression for you coming off the draft. First off, you personally, on the job you and your staff did, you spent a lot of time talking about your scouts and the building being on the same page. What's it like this week? Hey, JT. Yeah, I, I think um, in any building, in any NFL building, the key to the whole process is the communication and cooperation between the scouts and the coaches. And when you're in a coach-driven building like we are, and Coach Gruden and his guys are heavily involved, um, it, it's more important than ever. So John and I have to be kind of tied at the hip, and I think we were. And I think our, our scouts and our coaches have engendered in, in more and more respect amongst themselves over the last couple of years. And I was really proud of the way the group worked together. Staying on the draft, I was in the building with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen when the Leatherwood pick was made. Lincoln loved the pick. Of course, he's a right tackle. And then social media blew up about did you go too early or not. And then I told everybody, 
Let's wait to hear from Mike and Tom Cable. If Coach Cable, a former head coach and a great offensive line coach, has him as the best player left on the board, that's good enough for me. But a lot of the national media, and you were a part of it, thought it was just low-hanging fruit that your phone wasn't ringing off the hook for you to trade back. Walk me through those few minutes in the selection. Yeah, we, we were wide open to a potential trade down. And part of my job is to understand league value on every player. So if we got the right opportunity as far as draft pick compensation and didn't have to trade down too far, then we were wide open to moving down. But both those things had to happen. And we didn't get – we had one phone call for a potential move down – uh, did not like the compensation, uh, felt like we'd be at risk of getting Leatherwood. And, and quite frankly, uh, there was no way in the world, he, in our opinion, he was going to be there at 48 in the second round. And, JT, there were five tackles taken between 18 and 48. So yep. if we had tried to wait for him in the second round, he'd have never been there. And that's the guy we wanted all along. It's incredible because when you're on the media side of this and a scout before that and as a player – a lot of fans and a lot of members of the media think the phone's ringing constantly, right, Mike? Like you're sitting there and you're at 17 and at 16, all of a sudden you got 11 calls and, you know, Fudgy back in the day or Mr. Davis, everybody's putting these calls on hold and rerouting them. There are going to be some drafts where the phone isn't ringing and you don't have the access to move back. Look, we, we had a good plan, and people need to understand that certain things have to happen. You have to have a trade partner to make a trade. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to make a trade. Even if a trade, a potential trade's there, you're not going to make it if it's a bad trade. Why would you give up a potential Alex Leatherwood if you have to trade down too far or if the compensation's not good enough? So in this particular case, we made the decision that Alex Leatherwood was the highest-rated player on our board at that time. Tom mm-hmm. Cable loved him. John Gruden loved him. The scouts loved him. Pull the trigger. I could understand with Trayvon in the 40s and him not being there for you at 48, and I love the trade up to go get him because before the draft, I was saying as a talk show host, I wish Mike would go up and get Micah Parsons, but if that wasn't a fit and you had to wait and you got your pick. But I looked at Trayvon and I said, man, I doubt he's going to be there. And the back issue, which you guys cleared up on, when you pounced and moved up to 43, I thought that was a critical moment for this organization, this draft, and this upcoming season. How quickly did that trade-up come together? Well, we had him as the number one free safety on our board. And we also, uh, per, your, per your comment, he was a guy we were thinking about trading back up into the first round for potentially. And that was part of a potential plan heading into that first day, coming back up and getting them. Um, so when that didn't happen and he started to slide a tiny bit in the second round, uh, we had to make a decision of the most logical place to go get him. And I wanted to get ahead of the Cowboys. At, I think they were at 44, and mm-hmm. I knew they had a potential free safety move. So uh, we made that deal with, the, with San Francisco. We had talked with them before the day began. We had a conversation about potential uh, moving up into that slot just in case somebody got there. So it was kind of planned a little bit in advance, JT. But uh, the fact that Mary was there at that point, man, we, we were excited. 
Mike Mayock joins us. So, Mike, I have a couple of listener questions, but I want to go into the offseason. If you would have told me, and I was always saying I was the guy banging the drum for Yannick Ngakwe. I thought he would be a Raider, and I I guessed right on that one, and it was a guess. But if you told me, hey, JT, we're going to get Ngakwe and Casey Hayward this offseason, I would have been like, okay, let's look at keeping Littleton, Kwiatkowski, Mad Max, uh, Klee, all these guys, and you're going to add Hayward and Ngakwe. I thought that was a big pivot point for this offseason. Talk about Casey, how you were able to pull that deal off, especially this late after the draft. Yeah, it's always really interesting because there's the, the big flurry early on with all the big names, and Ngakwe was one of those guys. I've liked Ngakwe since he was a junior at the University of Maryland. Uh, he was a third-round pick. People tend to forget that and has become one of the preeminent pass rushers in, in football. But what happens is there's two or three different mini-surges after that. So there's the big flurry early on with all the big money. If you wait a couple of weeks, then there's some pretty good football players that come available after a couple of weeks. And then there's always the later cuts that happen and the post-June 1st cuts. So there's several different mini-waves throughout free agency. And we knew we had a little bit of a need corner, and we especially wanted a veteran corner. And when Casey Hayward became available, uh, we got him on the phone right away. As a matter of fact, Gus Bradley and I called him together. And mm-hmm. because Gus has such a good relationship, as does Coach Milas, uh, the position coach from the Chargers who's now with us, uh, Milo and Gus have a great relationship with him. We got him on the phone. Uh, long story short, it was, it was really just the fit was established. He wanted to come here. It was just about could we scrape a couple dollars together uh, to get him, to get where we needed to get to to get him. And uh, he wanted to wait till after the draft. We agreed with it. Uh, and then as soon as the draft ended, he was the first phone call. Like, Casey, we got to get this put together. Got him in town a couple days ago, and it all came together. And, again, a veteran – the whole key to him, veteran quarter. True pro. Kids in the room are going to look up to him. He works hard at it every single day. So he'll be good for them both on and off the field, and we're excited to have him. Mike Mayock joins us. One of our questions from Fabian Gomez says, what about Ron Milas as you were talking about making him so effective at player development? A lot of premium picks have been spent on the secondary. Let's transition to this coaching staff, especially on the back end with Gus Bradley and how they'll get these players to improve. No doubt. Great question. I mean, let's face it, on the back end, we've put some draft capital out there. You know, Damon Arnett, first-round pick. Um Trayvon Mullen, second-round pick. John Abram, first-round pick. Uh, Isaiah, fourth-round pick. Amik, fourth-round pick. Uh, so we've got some draft capital on the back end with young guys, and they need to grow up. Milo, Ron Milos, is, has a great history, and we believe between he and Gus, we're going to have an opportunity as these kids mature. And let's face it, they, none of them have played as well as they want to play. And I think there's a common denominator between these kids wanting to get better and the ability to bring in a guy like Milo and Gus to help them get better. So um, in addition to this year's draft pick, we're really hoping for a bounce from last year's guys and, and even John Abram from the year before. Yeah, Mike, and I would agree on that. I think all rational fans get that, that these are grown men. They're in the NFL now if they were drafted a year or two years ago, that the spotlight's on them when it comes to availability and getting better. So a lot of fans think you're sending a message to Damon Arnett 
Mullen seems to be a little bit more mature. John Abram, by bringing in position players who can take their job, let alone some of their minutes. Do they all get this? Do they understand that? What's their feedback been like? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, the reality is two things. Availability is a word you used, and that's huge in this industry. You've got to be available. That's number one. And some of our defensive backs have not been available. Number two is I'm a big believer in competition. I don't care what position it is, every position. And the more good players you, you bring in here, the more the competitor is going to come out of them. And these guys all know, you know, they're, they're, they're at risk. You know, we're going to throw the gauntlet down. We've got a bunch of good young guys out there. We're all going to let them compete, and let's see what happens. Wrapping it up with Mike Mayock, John Richardson asks, what's Cleveland Farrell's role here going forward in Mike's mind? Yeah, I, I, you know, we liked where Clee was, especially uh, against the Jets last year. We played him about half inside, half outside. He had a really good game, big sack in that game. Um, and then he got hurt, hurt the shoulder. We lost him for the rest of the season. Uh, his role, I think, will be similar to what you saw with the Jets, which is a combination of what we call our six technique, which is a base end. And then when a lot of the pass and sub packages, he can kick inside. And let's face it, if there's one thing we need improvement in, more than anything perhaps, it's an ability to rush the quarterback. And and we've got to find different ways to get there, and it's got to be both inside and outside. Mike, I know you who you can and can't talk about, and players are under contract, so we know that. I think you have the best backup quarterback in all of football with Mariota and the best backup running back in all of football who's going to play a lot in Drake. I mean, that's a luxury to have on an offense as you re, you're rebuilding the offensive line and the receivers have to get better like rugs and we'll see Edwards hopefully get better. But this offense is pretty loaded to me. When you go to bed at night and you think of coach Cruden and calling plays and maybe being more aggressive and running the ball behind Leatherwood and all the work you did on defense, what can you leave us with on this offense taking the next step like they did last year, but even being better going up against Mahomes, Herbert, the Chargers, and what we could eventually see in Denver? Let's wrap it up with the offense. Yeah, we're, we're excited, and we were a top 10 offense in scoring last year, and we're looking to improve upon that. And, you know, a lot of people worry about the offensive line. I think Tom Cable, John Gruden, and I are energized and excited by this offensive line. we got some young guys that are in here every day working their tails off. And I think over time, you're going to see a better run game because you're going to see these guys getting up to the second level. If you get Josh Jacobs to the second level, watch out. I think we're going to be a better run team because of that. And in the pass game, I think you're going to see those wideouts, Edwards and Ruggs, take a step to another level. And once that happens, Derek Carr has gotten a little bit better each year. So, The fact that we've got a guy like John Gruden that I think is, number one, tremendous at developing young players, and number two, tremendous as far as game planning is concerned, we're cautiously optimistic that we're going to be a better offensive football team than we were a year ago. Mike, last question with the new COVID protocol and what you're seeing, and I know it's moving, it's very fluid, but the concerns of getting in front of players, practice, tier one, two, and three, media can't interview the players up front. It seems a lot like it's looked like at the end of last year when I was in Allegiant Stadium by myself, especially when you were on the road. Are you optimistic about full capacity at Allegiant and optimistic that Roger Goodell will morph with this COVID protocol and it can get back to normal? Yeah, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. I I think um, 
hopefully in the NFL you're going to see herd immunity. Um, you're mm-hmm. going to see everybody vaccinated, and we're going to have an opportunity to get everybody, 100% of the people in the stands across the entire country. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, we were, we were six and two on the road, two and six at home, JT, and we got to get that friggin' stadium rocket. That, that's a priority this year. Absolutely, Mike. I always appreciate your time. I'll talk to you soon. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. You got it, Mike Mayock, and uh, Mike Mayock will answer any question all the time just like John Gruden, and they're out front, and they're a team in this industry that are up front, and they tell you what they have to improve on. My biggest takeaway from the interview is these guys who haven't performed yet, the, the gauntlet, he used the word, it's go time. Derek Carr's gotten a little bit better, he said, every year. We got into the offense, but we wanted to do the deep dive on the defense and what they were able to do. So your reaction to the conversation, we got a couple of your questions in. And what do you think about the overall offseason for the Raiders? They're not done yet. There might be a player or two that can come through that door. They're very active. Coach Gruden likes to try out a lot of players. If they're able to do that, maybe there could be another veteran added to this defensive roster. But my sense of talking to Mike Mayock a number of times is that this roster is going to be competition. How many times did he mention competition, competition? And not that there was a party. And not that the party's over, but for the young guns on this team in the secondary, we know who your replacements are. We know who's gunning for your job. You know who's gunning for your job. Show up, be available, because they weren't available in the secondary, and fight to keep your job. And I think that competition level is going to be amazing. And as Mike Mayock said, there is a lot of draft equity in some good players. Really, Damon Arnett was a very good player at Ohio State. Trayvon Mullen, great player at Clemson. All of the players that we've talked about, now it's you got to live up to the hype. And I'm pro Cleveland Farrell because of his athletic ability to move him inside to be a starting defensive tackle who could stunt and come around the edge and do some wild stuff. But it's got to happen now. Max Crosby getting better. I like Max a lot. And Yannick Ngakwe and the depth behind him, which could be really nice to see Malcolm Kuntz come in as a young player with a bend who could come in. What happens if Kuntz has a start to his career the way Max Crosby did and blows everybody away? So I like the addition of Hayward and Ngakwe. That, to me, is a real big glasses half full. At least as a veteran, very good edge rusher, and a veteran corner who's been a multiple pro bowler. If those two guys are available and they play tough and they lead this team, this defense can shock some people. But I'm not in the business of predicting this defense anymore because this defense has got to prove that they can play at a very high level. And Gus Bradley and this coaching staff, they're ready to go. Thanks again to Mike Mayock, Will Kiss, everybody over at the Raiders for giving us that great content. It's a big part of what we try to do here every day on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by our good friends at the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Frank and his team, an amazing opportunity to get down to Boulder Highway in Henderson and see all the deals that are out there. Walk the lot, be there, meet Frank, and see what the Henderson Hyundai Superstore can do as you want to upgrade your vehicle. And the way the board was falling today, uh, we loved it. I, we didn't, I, I didn't... 
think that Kuntz and Diablo would get to us at 79 and 80. I really didn't. Um, so we were ecstatic about that. Mike Mayock, uh, before he came on with us, Daniel Jeremiah will join us, and Linda Cohn from ESPN. Good conversation with her coming up as we continue on here on a beautiful Beautiful Thursday. Good to be here. Coming off the Bolitnikoff event. Uh, right around the corner, I have one of my biggest events of the year that I'm a part of, Coaches versus Cancer. Uh, that will be on the back end of next weekend into the following week where I uh, love to donate my time to be with Lon Kruger as we raise a lot of money. I mean a lot of money for Coaches versus Cancer, and we have so many good, positive stories that come out of that event. So May into June is my wheelhouse for a couple of the events I MC. And some of the time that I'm away a little bit from radio, I think doing something really positive in the community. And we'd like to do something positive with your charity. If you have something that's big happening, you're a listener to our show. You, you're there for us. If you have something we can help you promote, just reach out to me. Find me on Twitter. Call into the show. Get on hold. Let Bobby get your number. And hopefully we can ch- help you with your charities, endeavors coming up as we get going. So for Mike Mayock, if you'd like to react to that uh, conversation, 702-365-9200. There's just a lot of people in the industry, the mock draft industry, ESPN, Fox, NFL Network, who are critical of the Raiders, and they didn't look look at their draft after the Leatherwood pick because they played out this whole scenario that they picked him too high. And we'll find out. We'll find out as we addressed Arnett with him and Cleland Farrell before that. So Mike doesn't want to have a reputation of reaching on players, but Mike, I think, has a reputation of backing all his players when he drafts them. Why he does it, the system, why they look into it, why they do a deep dive on every individual player, especially the medicals, the medicals coming into this year and how important that was. And I'm assuming with Leatherwood being a really big, durable guy, huge size that they think they can plug and play him right out of the gate. Now, I'm just a little concerned, not only with the NFL, with the COVID protocol. The NFL is going to open for business. I just don't know how tough it's going to be on the players to follow similar COVID protocol than last year. What I believe is happening in sports, this is just my opinion, do not tie this to the Raiders. I have no idea what happens with Raider players. But in sports in general, athletes who typically wouldn't be covid vaccinated by now are all available to be vaccinated kids could get vaccinated 16 i got 17 and 19 year old kids so any athlete who does not want to be covid tested going forward for whatever reason their beliefs their opinions on vaccination it's none of my business but they're not going to be able to hang out with their teammates they're going to have to get tested daily instead of once a week and i think what it's going to do is it's going to wear on the players when you're a football player you're able to get on a private jet You're able to go to a car dealership and buy a BMW or a Rolls Royce. You're able to take your girlfriend to Vegas or to Cabo during the bye week and travel. These athletes only play in the NFL on average three-plus years. They're lucky to get to four. We just think Brady plays 20 years. Everybody will. No, that isn't the case. And if you tell an NFL player that he's going to go in his second year of not being able to see his friends and family and be in a lockdown environment, that is going to weigh heavy on NFL players mentally, mentally, that they're not able to live their dream of being a football player off the field. So there's a lot happening right now on the vaccination. I encourage everybody to get vaccinated. And if you don't get vaccinated, that's your opinion. Just don't whine when you can't get into a game. 
You can't get into a concert. You might not be able to get on a flight. And you might not be able to do things that everybody else is doing because they are following the protocol. It's a big topic going forward this summer. We all need to be on the same page. Or not. Raider Nation Radio.